I think it is a form of the greatest rebellion to be able to hold on to what you are and what you believe in in a society which is telling you one message versus another. And we do get, as women, get a lot of contradicting messages. On one side, this isn't good for your breast milk. On the other side, you've let yourself go. On the other side, you should be thin. On the other side, well, no, a voluptuous body is better for childbirth. I mean, we are constantly getting messages about what is good and what isn't. And then we just forget who we actually are in the midst of all of these messages. مرحبا أنا كارين أبو جودة أنا سارة رسلان وأنا ميس عمران Welcome to الأمومة Real talk guys We'll be taking you through all the stages of pregnancy and motherhood and diving into the stuff no one talks about From fears and anxieties, sex drive to social stigmas We will be sharing our personal experiences with you and of course welcome various special guests to share their journeys and learnings too And most importantly, hear from you, mamas. This is your podcast. Make sure to follow us on Instagram where we'll be taking all your awesome questions. Don't shy away, mamas, or even papas. All sorts of questions are welcome. Just remember, folks, we are not medical professionals. We are mamas sharing our experiences with you. All thoughts and opinions expressed are our own. Welcome back, Al Umuma listeners. So, in honor of Mental Health Month May, we bring on a very special therapist, Dr. Saliha. Hi, Dr. Saliha. How Hi. are you? Welcome to Al Umuma. Welcome. It's a pleasure to be with you guys today. We're so happy to have you. Dr. Saliha, before we dive into all the amazing stuff that you're going to be getting into today, do you mind giving us a small introduction about yourself? Sure. So I'm a clinical psychologist, as you mentioned, and I'm also the founder and the managing director of the Lighthouse Arabia, which is a mental health and wellness center, which has been in Dubai for the last 10 years. Um, I am also a mother of four children, so I will bring to you my experience um, that I have learned throughout my career, as well as through my doctoral program, because I ended up actually doing my dissertation in parenting because I was such an anxious new mother. And I read and read and read so much about it that I ended up actually doing my dissertation because I was obsessed with it at that time. So I will bring with you, I will, or I will bring to you all sorts of information that I learned from there, but also from my clinical practice, as well as my personal life as a mother of four children. That's amazing that you that you have your personal experience as well as your professional experience to bring to the show today. While I was doing a bit of research in preparation for this episode, I read in an article and I thought it was really beautifully coined, but entering into motherhood or as a new mama um, is something brutal. So it's brut- brutal yet beautiful as you go through the metamorphosis and life-altering process of rebuilding your identity as a mother. And that's what we're going to be talking about today with uh, Dr. Saliha. So Dr. Saliha, a lot of physical changes with mom, right? So you got hormones, new baby, new life and dynamic at home. So what is the positive body image now with everything changing in mama's life? We're looking at things from a mental health uh, aspect. What is something you could encourage women or help women understand what a positive body image is, Dr. Saliha? 
Well, I would first like to say that the body image is not the body. And it's a very subjective way of looking at ourselves um, and, and our body, which is very much influenced by our self-esteem. It's influenced by our upbringing, our culture, our exposure to media. And so body image is not the same thing as body. And I think if I were to say something to new mothers, I would say put the body and the body image on the back burner at this point. I know that all of the culture and all of the messaging that we are getting is that we need to bounce back. I have quotes here, um, or we need to get our body back. And I think all of this is just really, um, it's a lot of pressure that we are putting on ourselves as new mothers, uh, a lot of pressures that we put on new mothers. And I think at this time in a person's life, in a mother's life especially, they really need to just focus on the bond rather than the body. They need to focus on how they are feeling and taking care of themselves and coming at it with a, with a very nurturing energy for their own body, but also for the child that is now with them. So um, I just feel that there's just a lot of there's just a lot of talk and a lot of conversation about body, positive body, negative body, this body, that body. I just feel I don't want anyone <laughs> to be thinking about that at that point. The only thing that I would say is nurture your body, love your body, have reverence for your body, which just created life, which brought another life into this world take care of your body which has been through so so much in this time um in the last nine months in the coming months that you will be engaged with just changing hormones and changing weight and changing preferences all of these things i think having some respect and reverence and care for that body rather than looking at your body and saying when is it going to go back to the way it used to be you know, in, in theory, because um, us as, as moms advising other moms, this is something that we talk about with each other. Like, care for yourself, give yourself time. But when I was on the other side receiving the advice, I felt like it was so much easier said than done. Mm. Can you maybe give us um, a background from the psychological perspective? Are we still holding on to an old goal that you know that is creating this ceiling for us should we i mean can you give us a little bit more from your clinical practice i i think if we go back a century none of these expectations were in place nobody expected a woman to just give birth and get on with it and be back to her normal weight if we go to some of these village some of these tribal areas nobody has these expectations of people so I just, I actually will reiterate, I've been a mother, I've been a mother of four. I've been a very type A personality my whole life. I get it. I wanna be in control. I want my body to feel strong again, but we need to work a little bit harder to break ourselves free from that expectation. Of course, it's easier said than done, but nothing good ever came easy. We've got to fight. We've got to fight up against these messages that we're getting that says you need to look like a Victoria's Secret model, you know, of two weeks after you give birth. I think these messages that we get now inundated with 
in social media and we see all of these celebrities looking like they nothing ever happened to them. Yeah. I think this is really skewing the way we look at ourselves and what expectations we are putting on ourselves. And just to remind ourselves, this was not here 100 years ago. Maybe even 50 years ago, this wasn't what we were expecting from ourselves. So if it wasn't something that we were expecting from ourselves just a generation ago, why are we doing it now? What makes it okay now? And why can't we fight and say no? And I would say reframe that. I know when I was, when I had given birth, for me, it was, I just felt, I didn't feel like myself. I didn't feel like myself because it is a huge transition and adjustment to going from just being who you are to now having day and night day and night something looking at you and wanting from you and needing from you and feeding off of you that adjustment do not take it out on your body because our our need for control sometimes plays out on our body and I would say work on the adjustment period and don't take it out on your body because that's where most people take it out I absolutely agree. I I wish that I'm actually just 11 weeks postpartum, Dr. Saliha. And truth be told, and you know, Sada and Karen know this, I've always struggled with uh, body image and I've always been very honest about it as well. I am now finding myself going through this this terrible diet, almost like I need to get on a diet, you know, minimalizing carbs, making sure I get my workouts in, reducing this, reducing that. And, you know, my mom came to me and we were having dinner the other day and she was like, you know, this is going to impact your breast milk. And let alone that was another that was another story of how guilty I felt to even want to get on a diet to get back to my normal to my normal self, like Karen said. What is the normal self? I don't even know anymore. I feel like sometimes when I look into the mirror, I don't recognize this person staring back at me. And I'm not going to sit here and, and, and say, oh, I'm okay, I'm great. You know, my body just created life. I really try to say that all the time. And I have a wonderful support system that constantly is reminding me that it is great and your body did amazing things. And look what you brought. Look at your baby boy. Look at this, mashallah, this, mashallah, that. But I just sit there and I get into this very dark rabbit hole and I'm thinking, damn, I am hating myself. I'm hating my body. And I'm feeling so guilty for trying to even get better for my body and for myself because it's like I can't even it out between my son and between getting better for myself, which has put me in this postpartum depression. Um, I, as much as I want to break free from what you mentioned in the aspect of what p the peer pressure of society and cultures are, I just can't seem to. And that's the honest truth about it. It is, you know, and I'm, I'm really sad to hear that you are going through that and so many women go through that. And it is not an easy, easy uh, adjustment to make. Um, and I think it is a form of the greatest rebellion to be able to, to hold on to what you are and what you believe in, in a society which is telling you one message versus another. And we do get, as women, get a lot of contradicting messages. On one side, this isn't good for your breast milk. On the other side, you've let yourself go. On the other side, you should be thin. On the other side, well, no, a voluptuous body is better for childbirth. I mean, we are constantly getting messages 
about what is good and what isn't. And then we just forget who we actually are in the midst of all of these messages. But I would say that for new mothers, it would be really important to pace yourself. I think for new mothers, it would be important that you say, I will feel in control of my life again. I will feel strong again. I will feel fit again. I think when you are in the thick of it, sometimes you feel like this will never end. Do you feel like life will never go back to normal again because every three hours, you know, something is feeding off of you or you're feeding something or, you know, there's a bottle or you forget, you forget that you exist in the midst of that and you literally become just a, uh, a vehicle or a machine-like thing for another being. And I would say, give yourself some time. You will find your center again. It's just that it's really hard in the beginning. And I would say as much as possible, eliminate the triggers and have some difficult conversations with people that mean well. Because it's usually those people that mean well that really mess with our head. And it's those mothers that say, this is not good for your breast milk and this you should do breastfeeding and maybe you should do bottle and maybe you should do this. I think these are the boundaries that we need to have where we say to the mother that my mental health and my well-being is the number one most important thing for this child. My emotional connection and my emotional availability is the most important thing to that child. And if that means I am eating healthy and I have to bottle feed, then that's okay, because that is what the research shows. The number one sig most significant factor for a child's well-being is the maternal well-being. And if that means I need to go get a trainer as soon as I'm okay to move, then I'm gonna go do that. And so you need to look out for yourself because all of a sudden the world expects you to sacrifice yourself. The world expects you to just be a machine for this child. No, find yourself within that frame, but give yourself some time is what I'm saying. Give yourself a little bit of space where you say, you know what, I'm gonna get myself three months to just do nothing, but you know, let the body do what it does and heal internally, because it's been through a lot of trauma. And then once that three month mark hits, I'm gonna do whatever I need to do to feel good again. I just want people to just be aware to not use the language of, I will, I will get myself back again. You will never get yourself back. This is where we fall into a trap as women. You will never get yourself back. You will have to recreate something that has now a new life as part of that formula. And you will be better, but you will never be the same again. You are now a mother and you will never be the same again. The child could be 40 and you're never gonna be the same again, right? And so this is the language I think we need to be aware of because that's the social media messages that we get. We get messages of go, get yourself back and bounce back. There ain't no bouncing back. You gotta bounce forward or bounce out. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what you said really resonated with me, doctor, especially with regards to you know, Mace, when you were saying, oh, society puts pressure or maybe we're putting pressure, but, you know, I've been thinking this whole time, where do we get this pressure from? Because 
our closest friends, you know, you know, I don't have any girlfriends that are saying, oh, girl, you know, you need to be losing that weight. Look at you. Look at your bum. You know, no one's saying that. So where are we getting these ideas from? Is it from social media? Is it from our exposure? Is it from just generally the way life has become now? So fast paced. Everything has to be instantaneous. You know, we have to, um, you know, instantaneously, as you said, bounce back, get our body back, um, etc. So I'm just wondering where, where is, where are we getting this pressure from? Are we fabricating it in our own heads? I mean, I, I know that me personally, my mom was definitely a voice of pressure. I mean, she, every time she would see me, she'd go, oh, look at your stomach. You know, like, and I was just like, mom, like I'm breastfeeding. It's okay. So it was a, it was a battle for me mentally, psychologically to kind of push that voice out and make or reassure myself that it's okay. I'm breastfeeding. It's okay. I need to give myself time, but it is a struggle. So I guess my question is, you know, if we don't have that, that very loud voice, like I did of my mom, where else are we getting these pressures from? From everywhere, everywhere. Before social media, there was media and there was, you know, different institutions that we were engaged with, but with social, and there were magazines, there were, you know, te- there was television, there was TV shows, there was all movies, um, you know, messages from our mothers and our aunts and our grandmothers and our friends. These are all messaging. But I think what has happened in the last decade, which is as long as social media has been around, we don't understand the amount, like if there's a brainwashing happening here. It's not an influence anymore. It's not like, oh, don't let social media influence you. Uh Uh-uh, we're talking about a level of brainwashing that has never existed before. Hundreds and thousands of messages and in a blink of an eye through WhatsApp, through Instagram, through movies, through Netflix, through this constant barrage that we're getting that if you have two or three friends, their voices are not loud enough to, to, to match all the, other, all the other messages that we're getting. So society sets that up for us. And, you know, in, in, in some parts of the world, and, and now I, th- I don't think any part of the world is, is, is sort of safe from that because everybody has a smartphone and billions of people now have access to some sort of social media. So I don't think anyone is safe from that. But, you know, recently, for example, I saw a picture of uh, Jennifer Lopez and more power to JLo, but where it said, you know, you know, 50 looks like this. And I was like, <laughs> come on, guys. Like, seriously, like, we don't need to know what 50 looks like. We don't know what she's gotten done. And I don't have 18 hours a day to make sure that I look like that. But this is what we're comparing ourselves to. We're comparing ourselves to, you know, people whose job and livelihood is this. We are comparing ourselves to um, airbrush and filtered versions of people. So our reality is actually very skewed. In the end, we are social beings and social comparison is a part of our reality. There's no way I cannot sit with you and not compare myself to you. And there's no way you cannot sit with me and not compare yourself to me somehow and feel like, oh man, I wish I did this or I wish I had a son or I wish I had, we do it. We do this all the time. It's just that now what we are comparing ourselves to is not real. And that's where the problem is happening. 
and, and that brainwashing that is happening. So we're really up against a Goliath, really up against a Goliath. When does it, so I'm thinking about how you're talking about comparing ourselves to other people and it's sort of ingrained in us to do that. When does it go from comparing yourself to actually motivating yourself? Because sometimes instead of comparing yourself to someone and bringing yourself down, someone could be a source of inspiration to you. So what is that? I mean, I feel like it's kind of a fine line. Can you maybe differentiate the two or how do you get from comparing to motivating? Does it exist? First of all, comparison exists all the time. So it's not versus. Um, I would say that it's in how you feel. Inspire comes from the word inspirited. Inspirited is like this expansive way of being. When I sit with someone and I'm like, wow, this person really inspires me. Uh, my heart is going to open up. But when I'm sitting there thinking, oh my God, like, how am I ever going to do this? You will see that your shoulders will hunch over and the burden and the weight of that comparison is going to be heavy. So tune into your body. You will know what is inspired and what is actually unhealthy comparison. You will know the difference. Your body will tell you. One will look like this and the other will be a more expansive way of being. And for people who can't see me, I'm actually hunched over in one and I'm actually <laughs> expanding in the other. So it really is about feeling inspirited. You know, I recently met someone and I was just so inspired by her work ethic. Like, oh my God, this girl was just on it. And I was just, and I, I consider myself to be a pretty hard worker, but like she was, you know, when she said she's going to do it, she does it. And for me, this was really, really like, wow, this is a reliable person. I really felt inspired by her. I was like, yeah, I'm going to do that too. And so I felt energized. I didn't feel heavy. I felt excited that I'm now going to do something because I've been inspired by someone. It's an energizing feeling. I love that you bring it back to the actual physical body because your body tells you so much exactly how you explained. So the body is the secret keeper, by the way. As, as new mothers and as mothers, we have a superpower we actually have not tapped into. Most of us in a world that we live in is a very, a world that actually values intellect. It values cerebral you know, way of being. It tells you to think about things, don't feel things. And I would say do the opposite. Now that I've been through what I've been through in my life, I can tell you every single time, every single time I listened to my body, it, was, it has been spot on. And now that you have this portal, this immediate access, because when you give birth, you actually have to be connected to your body. Stay connected in your body. Stay connected with your body. And don't fight the body. Don't, don't, you know, I shouldn't say don't. I mean, I get it. I really do. But find a way, find a way to love yourself in that, you know, find your way to relate to yourself differently than the way you have been taught. We're talking about, you know, loving yourself, being kind to yourself, being in touch with yourself, um, and all of those, you know, positive uh, feelings and, and, and thoughts. What are the signs if a mama or if a woman is going down the dark path? So what are the signs 
um, concer- con- what are the concerning signs that a woman might be showing in her behavior or in her thought processes that might indicate, you know, something bigger, like maybe mama needs to go seek some help. So I'm going to rewind just a little bit. And, and I'm going to say this, love yourself, be kind to yourself. Okay, let's pause there for a second. Be kind. Uh, you can be kind to strangers. But how can you love yourself? when you don't know yourself. And I really would say before loving yourself, there might be another step that needs to be is just be with yourself. Spend time with yourself. Know yourself. Ask yourself, where did I learn these things? Who has shaped me? Why do I feel this way about myself? Who taught me this? I wasn't born like this. I was born really carefree, loving my body, crawling, walking, eating, getting messy, getting dirty. That's how I came into this world. Who taught me to not like myself? And I think this is where, if we spend a little bit of time here, we will see that most of our life, we have been taught to betray ourselves. And we continue to betray ourselves. So where are we talking about love? Forget love. Just stop betraying yourself in the beginning and just listen, relate, wonder, be curious, be kind always, but be curious. So that's one thing that I will say is that too often we jump to love and people are like, love what? Love who? (laughs) I don't know what I'm loving. And so it might seem inauthentic to people to love someone they don't know. It might not seem very authentic. So spend time knowing yourself. That's one thing I will say. The second thing I will say is that when we are looking for um, where you need to now start paying attention to um, your symptoms and actually going out and seeking help for them, like in a professional way, we are looking for three things. We are looking for intensity, frequency, and duration. You know, we're looking for distress, disorder, dysfunction. Now, some of these things sound the same. So let me just let me just tell you what I mean by this. There are days today, yesterday, where I feel I cannot face the world. I'm so tired. And I feel sad. I feel really low. I feel tired. I feel tearful. I feel like crying and I feel like giving up. And then I go to bed saying, I'm, I don't know how I'm going to do this. Then tomorrow I wake up and I feel a little bit better. Or maybe the same thing happens tomorrow. Or maybe the same thing happens the third day. We're looking for, do not let it go longer than two weeks. If you feel tearful, low motivation, low energy, um, you know, um, changes in your sleep patterns into the point where you're now ruminating and you know losing sleep as a result of it you feel um you're having dark thoughts you feel hopeless and it lasts a day or two okay we're okay with that because especially in postpartum everything turns upside down inside out right but if that continues you want to keep an eye on that because it, it could move from something like baby blues to a more clinical issue where we're now saying you need to get clinical help for this. And so postpartum depression is different from baby blues. Baby blues are not intense the way depression is. 
They don't present as intensely. There's not a sense of hopelessness. There's not a loss of disengagement with the child or with the world or anything that gives you joy. One of the main symptoms is going to be that you feel no joy. The capacity to feel joy doesn't exist in, in, in the most part when you are in a symptom, high symptom sort of clinical state. So I would say that to women is keep an eye on things. Be patient with yourself, especially if you're a new mom um, and you're within the first six weeks of adjustment. So even if you came to me and you were three weeks in and you're thinking, oh my God, how am I gonna do this? And I feel so depressed and I feel so anxious. I would ask you as a psychologist, I would say, has there been any major changes in your life? And you would say, yeah, I just gave birth three weeks ago. I would say, let's get you support. Let's get you coping. Let's get you sleep. Let's get you, you know, let's pull in all your resources. And then let's get you through to the six week mark where your body and mind will adjust. Um, but if you come to me um, within the three week mark, I will still give you an adjustment disorder diagnosis before I give you a more serious diagnosis such as depression because with every adjustment period whether it's a baby whether it's um, a marriage whether it's a divorce whether it's a move we say it takes six weeks for a person to adjust and sometimes maybe six to eight weeks depending on how traumatic the birth was so buy yourself some time for six to eight weeks before you start to say, okay, well, this is really clinical. But I would say if you are really feeling unsupported, join a support group. We have some at the Lighthouse Arabia for new mothers. Sometimes we feel like we're losing our mind but when we actually sit with other women and we're like, okay, it's not just me. You just might need a support network rather than clinical intervention. But if you are, again, intensity, frequency, duration, how long has this been going on? Is it happening most of the day, every day? Is it at making you lose joy in, in, in the things that you used to find joyful and you are starting to feel hopeless? Okay, now contact someone for sure. I really appreciate the fact that you emphasize that sometimes you just need a support network and not all the time you'd need a uh, clinical intervention. And that's so incredible coming from a clinical therapist. That's incredible. And it's so honest to hear that. Usually you'd hear maybe some therapists go like, oh, no, no, you need to come in. You need to see this. You need to see that. But sometimes, as you're saying, as a mom, a new mom or a mom, it's as simple as building your support network. I wanted to 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 also ask you... Um, a little bit about this the support network because it's the first time i hear this adjustment disorder i don't know if you girls heard this before never no. it makes so much sense to me that you said i have never heard it before it's so important to to have that frame of thinking because we are harsh on ourselves and we often forget we need some time to adjust adjust simply it's just such an important word i love word. this word adjusting <laughs> disorder can you talk to us a little bit more about um adjusting disorder and how it can be complemented by support groups for example sure so adjustment disorder is where we might be showing some signs like clinical symptoms so like i said changes in your sleep changes in your diet changes in your mood changes in your concentration um, weight gain, weight loss, all of these things can happen. Um, depressed mood, anxiety, rumination, worry, 
all the symptoms of anxiety that show up, including phys physiological symptoms, emotional symptoms, mental symptoms, forgetfulness, all of stuff is a very normal part of you adjusting to a new life circumstance. That new life circumstance can be anything that is new in your life that you are having to adjust to. So when COVID happened, a lot of people were freaking out because they're like, well, I'm just staying home. What's the big deal? Why am I feeling anxious? And they minimized a lot of that and they dismissed a lot of their feelings. But COVID was a massive adjustment with, with kids at home and working from home and not being able to go out, not being able to travel for people that used to travel for work and they're now sitting at home, et cetera, et cetera. New birth, death, changes, any change. You need to give yourself what we say at least six weeks. The bigger the adjustment, keep tacking on a few more weeks to that. So sometimes it's eight weeks. Sometimes it's 10 weeks. Sometimes it's 12 weeks. Now, if it goes beyond the six month mark, now we're saying, okay, well, we probably should intervene on a more serious level. But usually by three months, four months, people feel like, okay, I think I got my groove. I think I found my rhythm. I'm still sad. If there's a death in my family, um, I might still feel sad at the three month, four month mark, but it doesn't rock my world the way it did in the first week, two week, three week, four week mark. It's a beautiful thing in nature, in our physical body, our body needs about six weeks, whether it's like the skin rejuvenates, the hair, the eyelashes, the healing, everything takes six weeks. And so 40 days is a really sort of beautiful way of looking at it. 40 is quite a spiritual number also. Mm -hmm. So we need to give ourselves at least that much and then tack on a few more weeks as you get more and more, the, the adjustment is bigger and bigger. Now, in those six weeks, it would be important that you're not just sitting there waiting for the set, you know, 40 days to change. It doesn't work like that. You still have to do the basics. The basics, including having a support network, which is the number one, the strongest mitigator of stress is having a social support. Now, that social support for new mothers might not be other mothers because other mothers can give a whole lot of lectures and a whole lot of advice, which is unhelpful. So if you don't have new mothers that are your friends, then maybe you want to just stay away from, you know, mothers who, of teenagers, for example, and they're like, well, when I was having birth, and they actually are not listening to you at all. You need a place where you can speak and you can be heard and you can be seen and you can be sort of supported as you are not being lectured at by all the mothers of the world and, and feeling even more and more pressure. So support groups usually are a great place to do that because it is people that are not in your social world necessarily, and they are all coming together at a certain stage or with a certain issue. So whether it's grief support or it's new mother support or it's a divorce support, these people are all in the same sort of life phase stage and they can support each other and give each other a space to speak that is not with advice or lectures involved. So that's what I would say is that you still have to do the basics within the six weeks. And what I tell to new mothers and I tell to anyone who's gone through some level of trauma or change, don't try to get a grip of your mind 
And don't try to get a grip of your heart. Just try to get a grip of your body in the sense that you fit healthy things. You sleep whenever you can. So call in the troops, not so they can clean your house, but call in the troops so they can watch the baby so you can get some sleep. And you're making sure you're moving. I'm not saying you need to do a high intensity workout, but you've got to move. You cannot stay in your room, in your bed, in your pajamas day in and day out. That really starts to play some things in your head. So you've got to do these three things. You've got to move, you've got to eat right, and you've got to make sure that you're getting as much sleep as you possibly can. Prioritize these three things. Everything else usually falls into place as the time goes on. You say um, throughout the episode, you've given us so many good pieces of information and tips on how to actually work on ourselves, reflect on our lives, help ourselves, because you know we're going to help ourselves. You can't help someone who doesn't want to be helped. So if you're going to help yourself, then you can move forward, move on. But one thing that really struck a chord with me when you were talking about being kind to yourself and looking back at how I used to be as a child and how did I become this way and reflecting on, on who you were, who you are, and the why of your existence or the why of your belief system. But what I want to ask you is, for the people who are listening right now, could you maybe give us something that we can do to support that as well? Because I know, I know from your Instagram, you always, you always give your viewers a lot of advice on how to problem solve. So what I would say to um, new mothers, I would say that this is, especially new mothers, like first time mothers, but new mothers generally, I think, not new mothers in the sense that people who have given birth, but they have other children already. But the first time, so I'll first speak to the first time mother. It is a time of massive internal restructuring that is happening. You, as you know it, are no longer the same. Your life as you know it is no longer the same. So know that, that this is not like, oh, I just you know got pregnant and I just gave birth and like, let's get on with it. If you don't take time to sort of reorganize yourself, 15, 20 years down the road, you're gonna be like, who am I? Where did I, where did I lose myself? So you are gonna have to spend some time redefining yourself. And that redefinition of yourself is gonna have parts of your old self, but also how you want to be as a mother and how you want to be as who you are within the world of motherhood. This was huge for me. I remember, and I have a very strong personality and a very strong sense of self, but I remember thinking, well, how am I going to do this? Because I'm not going to stop studying and I'm not going to stop working. I need this to be, to feel like me. So how am I going to do this thing while I tend to myself? Those were the things that made me me. And so I would say spend some time redefining yourself. That would be the first thing and see what is most important that gives you definition. Because for some people it is, I need to paint in order to live. I need to cook in order to live. I need to work in order to like, that is who I am. So find out what that is for you and do that. You also have to figure out your, you know, 
1.0 modus operandi when it comes to motherhood. Does that mean that you can still take some time out for yourself? Can you take an hour a day and leave the child with the nanny or the grandmother or the friend and not and, and tend to yourself? Sure, you'll feel guilty, but are you going to allow that for yourself that you're going to take time? So that's going to be important. Like, what is your MO as a mother? And it, it's going to keep updating itself as you go through life. But what's your version 1.0? And, you know, what are you going to do for yourself? What are you going to do for the child? What are you going to do for your marriage if you are married? What are you going to do for your relationship if you are in one? What are you going to do for that? Because sometimes we throw the relationship out the window and now it just only becomes about the baby. And you don't want to do that either. You want to tend to the different parts of you. So now one part becomes lopsided. So that's going to be your MO. What's going to be your MO and how are you going to tend to these different things? The third thing I would say is spend some time by yourself. And I know as mothers, you got to like, what is she talking about? Like, listen, man, I sit in the bathroom on the floor. So now I can't even sit in the bathroom by myself because someone will come knocking on that door. So now I sit in the car in the garage and no one knows where I am. I like disappear and I will sit (laughs) and I will just be by myself for 15, 20 minutes. And you know what? I'm good with that. And so for me, my safe place immediately has become my car, especially during COVID. It was like self-care to be sitting in the car. So find out where you are going to spend a little bit of time by yourself. That's just you connecting to your center. Because as mothers, we become too external focused And then somewhere along the line, we say, where did I go? What happened to me? I I felt like I lost myself. It's because we didn't do the structuring right in the beginning. So those are probably the three things that I would recommend to mothers in the beginning. Um, Those things would be the most important things. And I would say, avoid triggers of unfollow every single influencing mother (laughs) out there if that is not making you feel good about yourself unfollow everyone or mute them at least because you just don't need any more you don't need any more drama in your head preach i'm so happy you're saying this out loud dr saliha preach man life is too tough as it is and then we don't need that stuff in our face all day long so there were there i can tell you personally speaking there are mothers that that you know you know, I see them cooking these most beautiful meals and their closets are perfect and they look perfect and they just look happy all the time. And I'm like, and I know, I know clinical psychologist, Dr. Saleh Afridi, that that is not reality. If I show you, this looks really beautiful. If I show you my desk, you will know that that is not reality. I know that. I know that as having an Instagram account that you just get a snippet and an image. And then we construct whole worlds but do that to yourself if you are vulnerable you are vulnerable at this time don't expose yourself to any more traumatic messaging when you are vulnerable you might go back and follow them again when you find your strength but right now you are vulnerable don't do it I think every woman needed to hear that straight up to the face 
Because as much as we try to be like, oh, no, I'm not, I don't, I don't care about what I see. No, when they're in your face and it's like literally every two seconds and Instagram reality versus, in, and sorry, the Instagram versus reality. These are, have, they've actually, Dr. Saleh have become my favorite posts. I now look at them to make myself feel better. To remember that, as you're saying, it is all a snippet of what life really is. Dr. Saliha, we can't thank you enough as, as the Al-Umuma family for being on this show, for being on the podcast, talking and preaching what we need to hear, what women and mamas out there need to acknowledge and feel and, and really work towards. So thank you from the bottom of my heart, personally, for helping out, for supporting women out there, and for that incredible initiative you have with Lighthouse Arabia to support and have holding support groups for women like us to talk about motherhood, to talk about postpartum, baby blues. That's the kind of stuff we need. So thank you so much. Shukran, 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 Dr. Saliha. My pleasure. My pleasure. I wish you guys all the best. And if there's anything else I can do, please let me know. You heard it, ladies, straight from Dr. Saliha. Thank you so much. Thank you. Ma'asalame. Ma'asalame. Ma'asalame.